Hello, welcome to po- uh, I forgot the Podcast Central. Welcome to all the podcasts. Welcome to the podcast called Hattrick. I am not your host, Braden Dallacoten. I'm joined by Elliot Tanti and Jordan Dallacoten. Excellent open, Braden. You know, this is why we're here, to clean up the scraps, the garbage. We're like the guys in front of the net. Stop all of the pucks. Or, or balls. Anything, frankly. Welcome to Hattrick. I am Jordan Dallacoten. Braden and Elliot, uh, thank you for picking up the rebound there after just an absolute air ball of an introduction but look we were off for a week so we do have some rust to shake off uh cobwebs uh whatever other you know metaphoric uh all the cliches of a player who's been on the bench too long that we are all a little rusty and we are going to get back to it elliot you have been off for god knows how long elliot braden and i did a show two weeks ago i don't even remember what we talked about but we were back ready to go. I'm pretty sure that sports have continued uh, out there without us. So we have some catching up to do, and that is our goal today. However, we're really only going to do one real topic and then we're just going to have some fun anyway. So it's a bit of a mail it in March kind of episode. Maybe that'll be the episode title. Here we go. Here's topic one. All right. As I said, we only have one real topic and there's really only one thing we've all kind of been wanting to talk about. The NHL trade deadline has come. It has gone. It means we are in the home stretch of the regular season. Obviously, we are Oiler fans here on this show. If you are not an Oiler fan, first off, thank you for listening. Secondly, this may not be the uh, episode for you, but we will try to talk about some of the other deals in the NHL because look, there are some interesting storylines all over the place. And it was a very busy trade deadline week. I'm sure it was very difficult and frustrating for the producers there over at Sportsnet and uh, TSN when they have a special six hour program lined up for trade deadline and all the deals are done ahead of time. And so they spend four hours not only trying to fill time, but basically just recapping things everyone's already been hearing every pundit and their mother talk about for the last four or five days. Braden, for you, biggest deal whether it's the Oilers or anyone else in the league, what is the bit? What was the biggest whoa moment for you last week when trades were flying? Ooh, biggest whoa! Well, as an Oilers fan, for sure, the the Matias Ekholm was a big whoa. I think the biggest of the uh, of the whole deadline. Uh, I think for me was um, ooh, it's got to be that massive, massive deal that um, saw like a hundred players move from New Jersey over to San Jose, the Timo Meyer trade. There was, I think, I think it was like, it could have felt feel to the whole starting lineup, uh, just the amount of players and picks all involved in, in that trade. That was big, really, really big. Yeah, you're right. You're mentioning the Timo Meyer, Scott Hartnell, Ascent, uh, Scott, Harrington, Scott Harrington, Harrington, sorry. Hartnell yeah. doesn't uh, play anymore. Timu Ibragamovic. Okay, Zachary I should say Edmund, these names. Andreas Johnson, Shakira Makmadulin. Yeah, you're doing a much better job. Okay, look, you're right. That's a big, big, big trade. But does it really? Is it really going to make a difference for 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 me? Bang for bang for buck, you have to look at what both uh, the New York Rangers were doing, getting a guy like uh, Patrick Kane, and also just just depth, and also as an Oiler fan looking at the Pacific Division. Not a huge fan of what uh, L.A. did. They got a real genuine goaltender out there, and they got a pretty good defensive defenseman on a team that's already been doing pretty well. Not a huge flashy move necessarily, but really the only starting goalie to move um, with consequence was Corposalo, and he does make the L.A. Kings a little bit better at that position, so that's a little bit difficult. Elliot, for you, biggest move, biggest surprise, biggest wow 
or biggest uh, yawn? What do you got? I don't know. It feels like this is sort of a yawn, but also like a, a bit of a wow. It was that the Chekrin deal finally got done. It feels like we've been talking about this for what, like 24 months. Maybe I'm exaggerating that a little mm-hmm. bit, but Chekrin's been basically for sale for a very long time. I think th- through last trade deadline even as well. So, um, and it seemed like he was rumored every week, every city that was in contention that maybe needed a defenseman was in on Chikrin. Uh, the deals finally get done. That conversation can end. Um, so I think that for me is sort of like the big wow outside of the teams that I follow and care about. For sure. So let's spend a moment on those. The Edmonton Oilers made uh, two significant deals and obviously a third deal that was a very important piece of the puzzle because of the money that was leaving. First, obviously, Jesse Pugliarvi goes to Carolina for a prospect and a pick. Um, that was salary dump. Uh, let's just be straight up about it. Yes, he hadn't played well enough to keep his spot here. And I'm sure that there were some question marks around, you know, what, where, you know, of the three or four guys with the similar sized contracts, he was the easiest piece to move. And obviously that's what they needed to do. Uh, difficult, obviously to see a guy who we've all really hoped would do well go, but it just, it, it hasn't panned out. It never panned out next. Obviously the big deal, Braden already talked about Ekholm for Barry and Reed Schaefer and some picks and did the Oilers pay too much for Ekholm is the question, Elliot. Uh, I don't think so. I think that was sort of the going rate for that type of defenseman. You know, I, you always want it to be better. That's the weird, that's the difficult place that the GMs are in is everyone's going to be hypercritical, but for that caliber of defenseman uh, and filling the gap that we needed to fill as an organization, also being a dollar in dollar out team, that also limits your capacity to negotiate as well, too. Uh, I think it was an appropriate pay, and it's a real big payoff for the Oilers, not just for the rest of this season, uh, but for the next two as well. So, um, Braden, can you just really quickly give me the scouting report on Michael Kessler and tell me why the Oilers should be disappointed that this prospect is gone? I have no idea, dude. Apparently, he's good. He he put up some decent points, I think, in the AHL. But I'm just they, look. They brought. They did bring about, in. I want you to talk about Bukestead. I want you to tell me why Bukestead's the right piece here as a depth centerman. I do want to. I want to dig in on Kessler. Uh, well, Bukestead is what six four, six five. Like this team's gotten bigger. There's a right shot. Um, you know who can kill penalties. I think moving into the playoffs, the Oilers got better and and they they just have to be grateful that they're not among the teams in the East that got massive, that were already massive. Boston Bruins added Tyler Bertuzzi. Toronto Maple Leafs added like some amazing, amazing talent. Okay, but let's well be fair for a second. Boston Hold on a second. Good. Hold on a second. None of the teams I think that the that, that the Oilers have to face in the Pacific did enough to actually be in competition with where the Oilers got to. Fine, fine. Let's talk about time. Boston for a second, though, because you want you, you you just said they got bigger, but they also lost two of their starting top six guys and Taylor Hall and 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 Felino for probably the end of the year. Both those two guys yeah, are now and they've got they Tyler Bertuzzi. So they had to add depth, but they it was it's a guy in guy off. out is all I'm saying. So it'll be interesting to see how much it does or doesn't affect. But they've been good. Oh, They're not. I think they they got didn't better. need to get better. Well, sure they got better. They got bigger. But back to the Oilers for a second. You said they got some size. He can take draws. That's something the Oilers need. He's already scored one for them. But we just watched the Edmonton Oilers play back-to-back games against Winnipeg, and it's back to Jacqueline Hyde. 
I don't think it's as simple as what a lot of the pundits want to say that it's whoever's between the posts makes the difference. Because I watched the game in Winnipeg, and at least four of those goals he never saw. They were deflections, they oh, were weird sure, screenshots. Sure. Jack Campbell struggling again, sure. He seems to be a streaky kind of guy. Overall, I'm, I think the Edmonton I'm Oilers down with still, five goals a game for the for the, yeah, for the rest of the but season. They need like, they need to be able to prevent five goals against. And I think that did the Oilers do enough with these two moves to give themselves a chance to win in tight, high checking games in the playoffs consistently, or are they still going to struggle to get the defense they need, Elliot? Yeah, because this team is on paper better than the team that they fielded last year. And the team they fielded last year was able to play tight checking games in the playoffs and relatively well outside of, you know, some nuts games against Calgary. They figured it out. They figured it out against L.A. Uh, They figured it out in some games against Calgary. And then they saw what it takes to win when they played against the, the Avalanche. So, yeah, you've improved. You On paper, you've made this a better defensive team. And they've already shown that they can do it. I mean, there's a couple things that we're not talking about here. Evander Kane is still not on the team. That continues to be a major gap uh, in terms of just size, grittiness, just changing the dynamic of games in that way. Yes, there are problems with defense. But that, I think, comes down more to systems and teams knowing the Oilers being ready to play the Oilers. I mean, these are conference final teams last year. One of the last four teams remaining, they have a lot of respect teams come and want to bring their a game against them. And the Oilers are starting to see it. I think they're going to figure it out and they got better on defenses, which is what they needed to do. I was a, I was a big fan of Barry. Like I, I loved what he did to the team. I think he was a really great teammate and he will be, you know, he'll continue to be that kind of guy. Um, but I, I, so I went to the Toronto Maple Leafs game kind of on a, on a whim. Fun fact and and secret note on buying tickets to any sporting event. Buy it after the game started because you can get really cheap tickets. I ended up in first row and sitting that close, uh, watching a Matthias Ekholm play. It's like this guy really does change the the uh, the feel of of how that team defends. They're scarier. Like there there is an intimidation factor that this guy brings that I think will impact the team on the back end moving forward. Okay, so uh, I guess the question is this. When you look at where the Oilers are right now, obviously they're still in a wild card spot, but they're two points out of, I mean, they're basically tied for third place. It, it, they're, they're sitting in the wild card because they have one more loss than, uh, than, than Seattle, who I guess has a couple extra overtime losses or something like that. But when you look at it right now, the competition they're facing in the Pacific Division and the Western Conference in general, where do the Oilers... Where, where should we expect the Oilers to be in four weeks when we're looking at playoff actual positioning here? Can they win the division at this rate? Can they catch the, the likes of the Golden Knights? Uh, can they keep up with the Kings who are clearly streaking? Like, where do we see them, Braden? I think you see them at the top of the division. Yeah, I, I don't think Seattle got any better. I don't, I don't think – I mean, I, I, yeah, I think the Kings have uh, – a more consistent goaltender that they brought in. Gravikov is good too, but I, I I just have a feeling that they're they're going to continue this push. This you know they always play. I mean, in the last three seasons they've played remarkably well at this this point in the season. So I think they're just getting going, and I think okay. that they have a very good chance at uh, finishing at the top of the division. So Elliot, I'll ask you a different crystal ball question here. Four weeks from now do we still see the Oilers playing a goaltender tandem or is Stuart Skinner or for that matter, Jack Campbell solidified themselves as the starter going into the playoffs? Because if you think about the last couple of years, 
come playoff time, the Oilers really did have a number one guy. And in last year, it was it was Mike Smith. And they went to him until he struggled. Then Miko got a game one or two. And then Mike went back in and they they really rode him to get them to, you know, to the conference finals. Are the Oilers going to look to do the same thing? Can we expect them to do the same thing? And do you think that's the right approach with what you've seen so far? Uh, so kind of a tricky question. I think there will be a definite like one capital A and one lowercase b heading into the playoffs. And I think it's likely to be Skinner to be the uppercase A. But as we've seen in the last three uh, playoff uh, runs, there's only been one team that's played what the same goalie in every game, playoff game, uh, start to finish. Uh, so you do need two goalies that are willing to play. The NHL is shifting. And uh, and so I think the Oilers are right where they need to be in terms of having both guys that can do the job. I think the team trusts both. I know Campbell gets a lot of flack in the media, but my sense is that the team does stand behind Campbell. And you see this sometimes. I've mentioned this before on the show. Goalies in their first year in new cities sometimes take some time to adjust. The more experience that Campbell gets, the better it's going to be. But if I were going to answer your question Honestly, I think it's, you know, we're all looking at Skinner to start game one, series one in the playoffs. And that's a big indication in of itself. All right. Well, we have a few more weeks here to see how it all sorts itself out. And at least now we don't have to be wondering who's going to go where, because that has been done and dusted. Now the teams are set. And as, as Elliot said, obviously still some healthy bodies to get back in the lineup and a big one there in Evander Kane, if you're an Oilers fan. A few other teams also hoping some of their uh, injured players rejoin them. And that will see that will play a factor down the stretch. It always does. And we'll see how hopefully the rest of them can stay healthy. A couple of weeks time, we'll be looking at uh, where they line up for the playoffs. Until then, that was topic one. Topic two this week is brought to us by the Ordinary Podcasting Network's merchandise store. If you head over to OrdinaryPodcasts.com right now, you will see that brand new merchandise has been dropping for the last week and a half. New items for a couple of our biggest shows are available now. You can go find a awesome sweatshirt and hat combo for running down the clock. And the MCU and Me podcast has a whole bunch of t-shirts. Trust me, there will be spoilers. Head over there today grab something to represent your favorite podcast okay we're going to jump to topic two here and we're going to play a game that has been on the shelf for almost a full calendar year uh and much to elliot's relief and i think much to Braden's disappointment i believe both of these two gentlemen have very different opinions about this here game Frankly, I'm a neutral party and I enjoy watching both of the two of them uh, play it either way. So we're going to play Who Said What? And I think we have a stinger. Here it is. Who said what? All right, great. So that that was you, I think, Braden. But uh, it's been a long time since we've heard that little. You said uh, my disappointment. But I think you meant Elliot's disappointment because this is one of my favorite games of all time. I can't wait. I I think you enjoy it. No, I I, I sure do. If I misspoke, that's what I mean. Uh, Braden enjoys it. Elliot does not. Did I misspeak? I was overjoyed that we haven't had to do this in a friggin' year. That's what I said. That's how I flipped it around for you. You were disappointed we hadn't played it. Oh, and Elliot oh, is overjoyed yeah, 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 yeah. we haven't. I, it was a little revert. You know, it's no, language. it's okay. It really confused it, me there. A little bit of word play. 
Who did say will. what? Who said what? <laughs> exactly. So uh, for those new to the format, and many of you may have never heard this game because it has, like I said, I think the last time we played it was like episode 30, which was like oh, you're gonna love episodes it. ago. Do you know you're that not- we are approaching our 100th episode in like a month and a half here, boys? Anyway, that's for another conversation. Look, this is how the game is played. I have collected from around the sporting world some sound bites, some quotes or some clips um and i'm going to play them for our two contestants elliot and Braden. they have not heard these prior to well they may have heard them but they have they don't know what i'm about to play um and then they're going to guess the the person speaking and the context and if they can uh, elaborate a little bit on what the relevance of this clip is in the last few weeks in sports that's ideal uh so that's how the game is played um we're gonna flip a coin to see who gets to go first okay great we flipped a coin and elliot you're up first Tails never I didn't failed. even get the pick. Heads or tails? It tails never matter. fails. Elliot's going first. <laughs> uh, and Elliot, um, are you ready? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. Uh, here is your first uh, soundbite. Oh, Canada, our home on a native land. Yeah, so I do. I don't know her name, but this is the the woman that sung at the NBA All Star Game, I believe, who changed the lyrics to the national anthem. Obviously, as you heard, uh, "Home on Native Land," which has caused considerable controversy in this country because I don't really know. It's a statement, and so that's, I guess, what it's meant to do. Um, but yes, it's uh, uh, that's that that's the background of it. But I, I forget her name. Brayden, do you know her name? Oh, no idea. So the the, the singer uh, performing it is Julie Black. And uh, she spoke uh, after saying that, yes, she had actually had conversations with some indigenous groups prior to asking permission to do this. She wanted to oh, make this was intentional. This was 100 yeah. oh, percent intentional. Oh, oh, it was it an act of protest. No, but if you think about it, it's interesting because the All-Star game has led to several recently some very interesting national anthems including a terrible rendition by fergie we probably all remember iconic man. um yes but this was iconic for a completely different reason a clear act of protest and a statement and obviously uh as elliot said definitely got a rise out of many of the intended people i would argue which good protest does so um anyway that's that first one elliot you got one we got one right how, how good is this you're yeah. off to a, a roaring start yeah, really, really tough one there. The all right, Braden. Literally uh, in the head. All right, Braden. Uh, Be upset, you're, man. This game's only going to get better. Braden, you're first. Uh, um, this one's actually from a few weeks back, but I but it's been saved for you. So um, you're going to have to go into into the uh, archives a little bit for this one. But I think I think you'll have uh, subcockles of my mind. And they all care. You want to deliver. You want to win. And I think it is this little bit of extra that exists only in a town like Buffalo. I wanted the entire city to wake up in a good mood because we beat the Maple Leafs the night before. (laughs) Uh, Legend. Okay, well, narrows it down. Somebody. Oh, goodness. It's got to be a player. I'm going to go with Tage Thompson. Uh, no, was it I'm sorry. No, it's actually a retired player. And in fact, not only a retired oh. player, but a player having their number retired. Oh, Buffalo. 
This took place actually back in January, but oh, I've had it saved for you here. Was it Ryan Miller? It was. Well done. So you get on the second bounce, but we don't. We can't give you the full point for it. Ryan no. Miller having his jersey retired. Legendary Sabres goaltender. I believe he still holds the team record for most wins as a goaltender. And he did uh, ensure that he got a little extra jab in there at the Toronto Maple Leafs during his acceptance speech, which I'm sure Beautiful. across the NHL, people smiled when they heard that little... Uh, a bit of additional fun because who doesn't dislike the Maple Leafs? Um, all right, Elliot, uh, are you ready here? You uh, you have a one nothing lead now uh, and a chance to extend. Are you ready? Sure. You don't release contract figures. Is that still standard? Can you let us know what you? Well, all I can for? tell you is it's too long and it's too much money. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's. I mean, you want the truth? No, no, no. no. Well, that that was going to lead into my next point. <laughs> next question. Yeah, that's uh, that's Lou Lamorello uh, talking about, I believe, the Bo Horvat contract. Well done, yes, eight-year deal that he had to sign with Bo, Bo Horvat after getting him signed here, and obviously Bo Horvat having a career year, so he has earned that money. But Lou does not like the deal he had to sign to keep that player, uh, and a bit one of those kind of old-school guys who's not afraid also to just say to say what he thinks. Yeah, why make the deal then? Oh, that's he... not, yeah, this. Uh... Lou Lamorello is a gem, but there's he's also, I think, highly problematic. I don't know. We should do a Lou Lamorello segment one time. All right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, you, uh, you've, you're two and oh, like, I don't know why you dislike this game so much. I hate Cause, this because I'm about I to freaking win here. I'm about to, I'm about to get this one. I think you will, Braden. This one's right in your wheelhouse. Are you ready? All right. I'm still ready. Answer this. You seen the video? Don't do that. Dallas, baby. Dallas is the best road city. What? What are we talking about? I would say Dallas, uh, New York, and Toronto. Come on, now you know the answer. To this. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Uh-huh. Also took place at the All Star game. I'll give you a hint for that. So it's an NBA player. Dallas, New York, and what? What was the last city he named? Toronto. As the best road cities in the NBA, he said. Uh, well, let's go with, uh, oh boy. Elliot is sitting at the edge of his seat. The win is in sight. I need to, I need to phone a friend. You can't phone a friend. Oh. We're not playing who wants to be a millionaire. I don't even think that show's still in the air. Uh, God, let's... God knows it was on the air far too long. Best road? This guy, he plays on the road. Okay, okay, okay. And there is everyone down. in the NBA plays on the road. That's how yeah, it works. At least, at least, at least a couple times. <laughs> also, uh, the only guy who doesn't play on the road is like like Kawhi Leonard because he sits out half the season. Ah, uh, true. Maybe it is him. He did mention Toronto, Dallas. Uh, okay, let's go with. Uh... Gosh, man. Let's go with let's go Braden, with this John. is a pod people are listening to this on their drive to work. They you need <laughs> to like, you need to get an they're screaming, they're screaming at the radio right now. It's John Morant. No, it's not John Morant. I know his voice. I don't know who this is. I uh pass, I guess. Can I pass? I, I think it's DeMar DeRozan. Oh, it's no. a good guess, Elliot. It's not. No. It's Zion Williamson. No, I don't even know that guy played. He it. hasn't even played. <laughs> his question asked was what are the best road cities in the NBA? And he answered. Oh including Canada, which a lot of Raptors fans were quite happy to hear. Good on him. Good on him. Elliot, you have you have won. Should we even continue? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I think we're good. 
No, come on. We've got him queued up. Let's go to it. Here's just a bonus one, whether you win or lose. And I have to tell you, Elliot, this one was going to be the, I thought this would be the, the softball. I thought the first two were going to be a little bit trickier. This is, this is the softball of all softball. This is always how you get, you say something like that. Yeah, he's well, gonna let's, be see. let's see. Let's see. Here we go. Fans booing at the end. Do you blame him? Well, when you lose, I, I, I boo too. I don't think they're booing the team. As I said, our top players go. All right, who's that? That's Sutter, Coach Sutter in Calgary after another disappointing season in Calgary. Uh, I think he was wrong, though. They're booing him because he's literally an intolerable place to play. How do you, yeah, how do you I use... think I think that uh, he and Brad Tree Living uh, might be able to share a cab out of the city at the end of the season because I don't think this is going to end well in Calgary. No, Elliot, I mean, you know, three, to be fair, three for three. Yeah, I feel like mine are easier this time. Maybe because you complain every other time we play this game. It's almost like it's a strategy. Eh? Hmm. Braden, would you like to do your last one? Yeah, I might as well. I mean, okay. we're all having fun here, aren't we? Here's the best part. We've now played this game so often, we have a repeat. Oh. We're now celebrating the anniversary of one of our favorite clips. Okay. Okay. Okay, great. So Congratulations to us. If you get this wrong, you're this this will really this should really sting. Oh. You said well, I mean, I'm just saying here. <laughs> no, I'm just saying you've heard it before. Right. So you should remember. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's you only should been a be year. Able to remember this one. Are okay. you ready? All right. Here yeah. we go. I'm so ready. Strike to claim it. A strike to claim it. And he got it! Got it! Got it! That is right! I did it! That's number five! Are you kidding me? That's right! Oh. Who do you think you are? I am! I don't know what the fuck his name is, but he's a damn good bowler. <laughs> Pete Weber, 11 years ago, that clip. That's amazing. It's 11 years old this week. Wow. And that has got to be in the top, like the Mount Rushmore of sports highlight, you know, quotes or whatever. It probably inspired this game right here. It's up there with everybody. Who do you think you are? I am. Well, Elliot, you know who you are? You're this week's champion of who said what? I am. Congratulations. Sands, my family. Let's play again All next right. week. No, we're not playing this again for another year. Okay, uh, that that was who said what, and that was topic two. If you're looking for a new podcast, you should check out the Ellipses Thinking Podcast, hosted by Greg Dollar-Coltman. Each new episode, Greg sits down with a guest to talk about where they are on their creative journey. You can listen now anywhere you get your podcasts. Okay, Elliot. You are the reigning champion now of who said what. Therefore, you get the honor of leading us off in our third topic of the day, which is going to be hats off. Take it away. Uh, yeah. So my hats off goes to Team Canada, Women's Team Canada at uh, the Scotty Tournament of Hearts this week. Carrie Enerson's team, who won their fourth straight championship. Uh, really a feat in and of itself, but basically dominated the entire round-robin play, only losing one game to the team that they actually beat to win the championship. It was a great tournament this year. I've I've always sort of liked curling, but found it difficult to sort of keep up. Um, The tournaments tend to come really fast and end really quickly, Um, but uh, this 
last week I had a little bit more time on my hands and watched them and really enjoyed the new format, the wildcard teams. Um, so watched a lot of the Scotties. It was great curling. And uh, now a little bit invested in the Briar as well, too, watching some of that today. So because I always miss it, here's a reminder to our, our listeners. There is curling and really good curling going on right now. So make sure you pay attention. There you go. Uh, Braden, who are you taking your hat off to? Tipping my hat off to a very early uh, start for the Toronto Blue Jays, who just started spring training. Uh, season is just around the corner, and the Toronto Blue Jays in their last three games have scored uh, over th- 35 points. The last game against the Phillies, they put up 16 the day before that, they put up 18. They're putting up football numbers in these baseball games. And yes, sure, it's just spring training, but it's a, a very, very exciting uh, blast off to uh, what's sure to be a really great season for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, all right. I will round us out here. Obviously, Formula One is back this weekend. And although Elliot would love me to take my hat off to Max Verstappen and, and Red Bull for winning the first race of the season, nobody really cares because they were so far out ahead. It, it's a non-story. The real story was third place. The wily old Fox, 41-year-old Fernando Alonso, back on the podium for the first time since 2013. This is a guy who was out of the sport for three years, basically retired, and then came back has been struggling with some bad teams. He's found himself in a very fast Aston Martin, put himself on the podium in the very first race of the season. And it's pretty awesome. You know, this guy started his formula one career in 2001, which means when he started his formula one career, Max Verstappen was still in Pampers. Yeah. This is a guy who has dominated for a very long time, multiple world champions. And he is looking for his 33rd win. This season, I feel like he might get it. My hat goes off to the old well, guy who still got it, Fernando Alonso. Nice to be in a Red Bull car at Aston Martin. Uh, it's what? it's a Red Bull car. That entire oh, Aston the way Martin designed car. It. Yeah, it? It's got a Mercedes <laughs> engine in it. That's the really crazy thing. Well, it's anyway. a hybrid. Anyway, um, you can learn more awesome. about that on Tuesday on the Pit Stop Podcast, obviously, but in the meantime, I want to thank you all for listening to this show and to Elliot and Braden, as always. Thanks for playing along. Thanks for being with us. And until next week, that was Hatcher. Hatrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Dyler Coltman and Braden Dyler Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, 
and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.